Good morning. How are you all? It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning and welcome in the name of our Lord and Savior, King Jesus. And I invite you just to take a moment to just stand. Some of you were just standing just moments ago, but to stand, turn around and look and just uh, wave at everybody or throw them an air hug or blow them a kiss, but not too hard. It is good to be here and thank you for your care with one care with one another and uh, just two quick announcements this morning. One, uh, youth and faith friends both meet today at 4 p.m. Youth will be in the outback and faith friends, uh, our children uh, from birth through fifth grade, will be in the front parking lot. And for all of us, uh, no matter what our age, uh, how many years experience we have here on the earth. I really invite you to come this afternoon and join us at Faith Friends and just be encouraged by the families that gather out there and the children. They have this fall, as they've been meeting every other Sunday in the parking lot, they have been learning about and memorizing the Lord's Prayer. And they are going to uh, uh, share that with us this afternoon. And so I think you would be uh, greatly encouraged if you came this afternoon. Just park in the lower parking lot someplace and walk up uh, to the upper parking lot out here. We'll be socially distanced out there uh, as we seek always to be, but great time. Also, somebody brought it to my attention. There's a, a wrong announcement in the steeple this morning about the hunger offering being collected during services this morning that just jumped in there somehow and air the hunger offering these days is all the time. Um, we're just not taking up offerings in here or out in the parking lot. And so our children are just on hold for a little bit on that offering. The need is just as real. So please, as you're able, just send in uh, to the church uh, some extra that can go to the hunger offering. Let's bow in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you and praise you this day. Oh, King Jesus, we love you. You are Christ, King, Lord over us. And thank you, Father, for the salvation you bought for us in your son's life. And may we now be taken from consideration of earthly things, thoughts about ourselves or even those we love. And Lord, let us be transported in to this time of worship to give you all glory and praise by the power of your Holy Spirit and in the name of Christ the King, we pray, amen. Hallelujah to the King. Let's worship.
Thank you, Brian and Nora, both. This is Christ the King Sunday, and as we bow our heads, aren't we thankful that Jesus Christ is sovereign and that he intercedes for us through the Holy Spirit that he sent to us, just as he promised, who dwells in us and yet communicates with God, who is seated upon the mercy seat. Let us bow in prayer before Almighty God. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all praise. What a wonderful God you are. Lord of all, you stand above, and yet, Father, you have also chosen to enter in. You came. You are incarnate in us. We here on earth are the temples that you have designed Not that folks would worship us, but that in us they would see the reflection of the true worship of you, Jesus Christ. He who alone has worshipped you perfectly in all of history. And since before history began and long after it ends, he is the one who will be our Lord and Savior. And by your Holy Spirit, we will someday stand before you and our Lord will say, Father, These are they who you gave to me. And here they are. We thank you. We ask, Lord, that you would remind us again that you have forgiven us because we still cling so easily to our broken ways, to the sin ways of this world. So we ask that you in this moment would remind us that the price was paid for all of this When we are set free, we can choose to turn away from that and always closer to you. And we need your help for that, Lord. We cannot do it on our own. So when we choose to do that, which we just as soon would not do, Lord, remind us in that moment that you're with us. And Father, now in this hour, we find it great joy to be able to bring to mind the names of those who are standing in the need of prayer in this moment. And so we lift their names before you now. Ken. Barbara. Jim. Jean. Lou. Father, we do lift up the concerns of this world and we pray that in all those places where there are those who are hungry, who are downtrodden, 
that your church will come alongside them and that we will be those agents who, by the power that you have given to us and the resources that you provide us, will change lives. And Father, in all of this, to you be the glory now and forevermore. And we ask that you would remind us that Jesus taught us as he was among us to pray in this manner. And so we pray boldly, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this Sunday morning we come now to the final chat. Oh, we come now to Pastor Rob remembering that children can go with Miss Julie and Miss Corey to Children's Church. And if you'll come up here this morning and go out with them, their day will be brighter for your presence and your day will be better for theirs. And thank you all. There are a lot more where they came from. Come at four. Well, this Sunday morning we come to the conclusion of our study of Ecclesiastes. A book of the Bible that I never thought I would undertake preaching. And I'm thankful for what God has done through my life. And I say a word of great thanks to Brian for preaching last Sunday when I was a bit more of a scarface than I am this morning still. Um, but I also just want to say this publicly. Um, uh, it is such a bless, blessing to me and to us as a church to have Brian in our midst. And what a fine sermon he preached last Sunday. I listened to it twice and had heard it even before that. And um, well done. Uh, or as he would say, well played. Now, he will also say that I should not be saying any praise about him. He and I both will admit that if we do anything good here in this pulpit, it is by God's leading of us both in our studies and, and the delivery of it here. Um, but it is good to be yoked um, with a strong brother and such great brothers and sisters of you all. Um, I hadn't planned to say this, but I will just say it is a delight to study God's word among you and to do and live life together with you. Uh, there are many churches that are not blessed to be discovering day after day what Lenore Presbyterian Church is given the grace to discover. And that is that for all of our foibles and fables, we can love one another. And we can be the body of Christ together. So all praise to Christ our King. Amen. Well, this Sunday we are reflecting upon the final chapter of Ecclesiastes, but it is also, as I've already said, Christ the King Sunday. And so as we enter into our reflection on the text, I will come to Ecclesiastes 12 in a few moments, but I want us to first think upon this first point this morning of our Supreme Savior, but not just our Supreme Savior. He is the Supreme Savior, Christ our King. It was some weeks ago that I first noticed it 
as I sat at the intersection of Highway 321 and Hospital Avenue coming from home to church. It was um, just after most all of the many, many signs that we have lived with all fall had begun to come down. And I think it was because all of them had been removed that I was able to see this one small sign. It was stapled to a, it is there still this morning, stapled to a utility pole across the intersection as I sat there with cookout on my right. And, and I looked across this small white sign, probably no larger than that, white sign, black, simple print on it, and its message as simply clear as any could be, no king but Christ. I don't know who put that up there, but amen to their work. It's the best sign I've seen out there for a long time. And today we celebrate, celebrate Christ the King Sunday because next week we come to the first Sunday in Advent. We, we've moved the screen. The Christmas tree will go up beginning today. The other decorations will come and, and we will enter into that season next Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent. It's the, the Sunday of the new year in the church calendar. We're not hugely liturgical here at Lenore Presbyterian, but I love that we celebrate the rhythms generally of the, of the calendar year that recount to us in a calendar form the wonderful narrative of the good news. And we know that for many, many millennia, God's people celebrated the Passover and the gift that God had, had given them and, and calling them as His chosen people. And they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And we know that in Bethlehem He came. And Advent celebrates that He who came is coming again. He who is the now is also still the not yet. And so this week, this final Sunday in the church calendar, we focus on Christ the King, the coming one. And we celebrate that He is the King who has come and is coming again. And He will come on that day with trumpet blast. That day when every calendar will come to a screeching halt. And we will see in that day that there is one King left standing. And He is Jesus Christ. Christ the King. Praise God for that. What does it mean then to call Jesus our King? One good place to go is the Westminster Catechism for us Presbyterian Reformed types. And the Westminster Catechism states that Christ is King as He softens our hearts to His. Christ is King as He softens our hearts to His. Christ is also King as He rules over us and defends us. And Christ is also King as He uh, restrains and conquers His enemies who are our enemies. Jesus, in short, is the Lord who loves us and leads us. But in light of our study of Ecclesiastes, what does it mean to call Christ our King? Well, we've learned a number of things from Ecclesiastes, but certainly one of the things that we have learned from Ecclesiastes, that this is the book that has forced us to understand the right perspective of reality that allows us to decide who we should trust. 
And we see that only Jesus Christ gives us that right perspective. In Christ alone, our decisions become meaningful. Life's meaning is in truth revealed in right relationship with Jesus. We've heard it every week in Ecclesiastes. Life under the sun, this life, this existence, is vanity. Other words, we've used meaningless, vaporous, misty. Brian said it again last week that when all is said and done, life is hevel, fleeting as a soap bubble. And you know what bothers us? If, if Ecclesiastes, this study, has graded on you a bit, it's understandable because what bothers us about Ecclesiastes is that it constantly in every chapter reminds us that we can never fully understand life's purpose. And we hate that. Because we are in our sin natures, we are those who want to know and we want to control life and of course, that's a kind of an inner driving that pushes us to explore and discover. But it is also the inner drive that causes us, sadly, to trust what we do over that which God does. More than what God does. Now, thankfully, when all of our achievement, all of our ability comes to a screeching failure, halt, that's where trust begins, and that's where we see that faith is our only sure foundation. Ecclesiastes has called us to embrace, but I want to say to be embraced by this biblical perspective, the right relationship that is rooted in our trustworthy God, to see that the goal of life is not to smooth over all circumstances, not finally to just be happy, but to join in the praise of heaven, to join in the worship of Christ our King. God has designed us human life. He has designed with one end. And it is not to glorify human achievement, but to glorify God and and everybody who ever memorized the Westminster Shorter Catechism can answer the rest of it. What is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is our chief end. We are created with this one purpose, to worship Christ the King in every moment of life under the sun. James, the, the brother of Jesus, in writing his New Testament letter, if we can jump way towards the other end of the Bible, uh, in writing that, there's one stretch in there where he sounds an awful lot like Old Testament Solomon. I'm reading in James, the fourth chapter, the 13th through the 17th verses. Come now, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. <laughs> Solomon tones here. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. 
So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Do not boast about tomorrow, James says. For tomorrow may never come. He writes it well. Life is a mist that too quickly vanishes, doesn't it? Where have the days gone? The year is gone. James reminds us, as Ecclesiastes reminds us, focus now to remember the right thing and do it right now. And this is the true freedom that we find in King Jesus. Puritan John Winthrop, you know him best by City Upon a Hill, his sermon uh, that is oft quoted um, by Americans of all ilks. John Winthrop wrote in another piece the difference he distinguished between liberty and license. License, he called, and a quote, natural liberty, which is common to man with beasts and all creatures. But he said, on the other hand, true liberty is the freedom to do right. True liberty is the freedom to do right. Oh, how we misunderstand that today. Such true liberty requires that we submit to a higher authority than ourselves. And we do that when we submit to King Jesus to gain that all-important biblical perspective. What's the right thing? The world asks that all the time. Is this the right thing to do? Should I do that? Is that the right thing? We, in Christ Jesus, He as our King, tells us the right thing. It is the will of Christ. The perfect one before God. And the world also says, what's the right time? And, and the Word of God reminds us again, right now, this moment is the right time to do the right thing. And that's what... Uh, <laughs> pushes us a bit with Ecclesiastes because Solomon all the way through as he is calling us to look at this as the right, the key moment, the important moment also reminds us that in this moment, time is always in short supply. This moment under the sun is heaven. And it is what I'm calling the short stretch. The short stretch this is the short stretch. In Christ, we get the long stretch, which is eternity. But this short stretch in it, we understand the brevity of life is very real. Solomon makes that clear as he opens Ecclesiastes 12. He says, learn life's important lessons in your youth before you discover how fast time flies. And this is where that vital word, a word so important to our faith, comes in. Remember, remember. Solomon writes, remember also your creator. What he means by that is maintain always at all points a biblical perspective. In all that we do, whatever it is that we're doing, in every aspect of life, in those moments, in every action, in every thought, we are also to remember our creator God. And in truth, the brevity of time underscores the beauty of remembering. The, the beauty is that in remembering God, we find our best opportunity 
to make the most of each moment. And that's important because we should make the most of each moment in this world. But we also, in remembering God, we also make, we have our best opportunity to glimpse eternity and to see that which is most vital to know. Ecclesiastes 12 admonishes us to make the most of the time that we have beginning when we are young. Here's Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And then Solomon, and I'm going to read through this fairly quickly, Solomon then paints for us a poetic picture of old age. See if you can relate, those of you who, as I do, have some experience in this world. He says in verse 2, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, and the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are also... They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along like a great burden, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, And the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities. Hevel of hevels, says the preacher. All is vanity. All is hevel. Now listen, I am not sure if this is a poetic description of old age or just a painful reminder of its reality. My mind says still to this day something that I learned almost as soon as I learned how to ride a bike. Let's go water skiing. Come on, Rob. Let's go water skiing. And I hear my bones within groaning. Let's not. Paul said it so well in 2 Corinthians 5.4 For while we are still in this tent, we groan. And I say Amen. And so I'm speaking especially to those of you, most of you here this morning, who are younger than I am. Pay attention. Make the most of youth. Right now, learn how to remember God. Practice that. Learn how to remember God. If you want to grow well into eternal life, both now and not yet, if you want to grow well into eternal life, Remember now and figure out how to remember in every moment of life King Jesus. We're speaking here of habits of the heart. And habits of the heart are best learned when we're young. Just like memorizing stuff is so much easier when your mind is young and your mind is like a great sponge that can soak this in before it gets all hardened like an old piece of cloth. So parents, introduce your children to King Jesus so that they can remember Him and remember Him and develop habits that will make certain that their lives are conformed to God's. 
Speaking of remembering, I have to pull out one verse from chapter 11. Remember this verse from last week? It's verse 10. Remember, I mean, excuse me, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain that is evil from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. One of the most difficult habits to learn in life is how to deal with anger, the vexation, and resentment, pain, and evil. Every one of us would raise our hands right now. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with my anger, and I'm still trying to figure out how to put away resentment when it rears its ugly head. And if you wouldn't raise your hand, come talk to me afterwards because I need you to counsel. Children must be taught this before anger and resentment can take root. And there's that word again from Ecclesiastes 12. Before. Remember God before they meet life's hardest challenges. See, instead of training children to do things like, okay, before you get mad, count to ten, cool down, what we should teach them, make certain that we've taught them, is or do you feel anger? Recite the Ten Commandments. Because then when they've recited the Ten Commandments, they have brought to mind, they have remembered that which is foundational to a biblical perspective on their lives. I've known a, a woman since she was much, much younger. She did not have a strong walk with the Lord. She was raised to know the, the rhythms of the church, but not the rhythm of her Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is a big difference. And so there was not in her enough stored up that when the crises of life came, that she could easily remember God and King Jesus and His sovereign, sufficient reign in her life. And then came that day when giving herself to the work of her church, she was hurt by her church. It happens. Her church, I will tell you, I'm aware of the situation. Her church did the right thing. They just did like churches will do. They did it in the wrong way. And wounded, she turned from the church. But she didn't know Jesus, so she couldn't turn to Jesus. And so anger and resentment took root. And her life became defined by hell. And is to this day. And there's so little true joy in her life. And now time is in short supply. As it always is. And she can't see the goodness of life intimate moments from that all-important biblical perspective because there is this grudge that blocks her from worshiping King Jesus. Solomon brings Ecclesiastes to a close by underscoring the importance of worship. This book's 12 chapters have recounted for us the lessons that Solomon learned from the preacher. From the one shepherd, and I think we can confidently say, from the king of kings. Listen to the last six verses, beginning at verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. 
The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, be aware, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Beloved, precious ones, life seems this way because it is so often meaningless, yet God has given us And here a final point, the sufficient solution, the sufficient solution, the sufficient solution is King Jesus. Solomon could only sense the Lord's presence in the teachings of the preacher and the guidance of the one shepherd. But we, we know King Jesus, we know he who is the good shepherd. And Advent starts next Sunday and it nudges us to remember that King Jesus came and He is coming again. And in life under the sun, King Jesus shepherds us with the gain from goads. It's not a word we use so often in life, is it? Goads, G-O-A-D-S. A goad is that which prods us, stimulates us to something. And Solomon says that the words of the wise are like goads. They direct and motivate us in the right direction. And there are no wiser words, no better goads that can be in our life than the wisdom of King Jesus. Want greater purpose in your life? Then study this book. Let the rhythms of this book, the wisdom of this book, become that which motivates you in life get to know king jesus there's no better place than here in the fellowship of the church but in these pages and the holy spirit that he has given to us will goad us to remember the grace of fear and obedience the grace of fear and obedience it's here in verse 13 the end of the matter All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's whole duty. No burden here. No new commandment. Nothing here that's greater than we are capable of doing in Christ. This, in fact, is not a burden. It is the beauty of God's merciful grace. Because we understand as we fear and obey God, that is we worship Him, that grace becomes real to us as we worship and obey God. This is what God made us for. We are to be reflections of Christ, the perfect beauty of God's grace. A.W. Tozer once wrote, and I quote, I think it's here before you, yes. Beauty centers around Christ because He Himself is God, the source of all beauty. This is an internal, not external beauty. 
Heaven is beautiful because Jesus is there. And on the opposite end of the scale, hell must be the ultimate in ugliness and imperfection because it is so far from God. This puts earth halfway between where we see beauty and ugliness all around us. Our choice, the greatest choice we have to make is whether we spend our lives seeking after beauty or ugliness. Beloved, in other words, to see the beauty of Christ the King, the greatest choice we make is whether we will truly fear God and obey His commandments. This is how we find the beauty of life under the sun. This is how we worship King Jesus in every moment of life. Sundays ago, Sundays and Sundays ago, we were in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. And at the 14th verse there, we saw that Solomon caught a glimmer of this beauty. He wrote these words. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. So that people worship before Him. People who fear God and His holiness, as Brian sang a bit ago, are worshiping souls. And God's grace holds them, holds us forever through life under the sun into life in heaven. And we can count on this because God bought it for us in His Son's perfect sacrifice to borrow some words from Ecclesiastes 12 with nails firmly fixed Jesus purchased new life for all who will call him Christ the King and what's so great is this new life is filled with purpose that overcomes hell and when life's soap bubbles burst, which they inevitably do, even our bodies, the soap bubble of these earthly suits, will someday burst. They will be spent and they will be no more. When life's soap bubbles burst, we will see that we are still held by the strength of our risen King Jesus. King Jesus is the one certain way who leads us through the meaninglessness of heaven to the joy of fullness. And so I ask us the most important question we can ever be asked in life. Is Jesus the Christ, King of your life? Is the one Lord who will be standing after all other lords and kings and governments fall? Is He the one who is holding you? To God be the glory, now and forevermore. And all God's people say, Amen. Now, we get to do what we must do also in every moment of life. Uh, and praise God that the praise band is back with us this morning. And so we get to rejoice. And to sing God's praise as we sing to His glory. Come people of the risen Lord, risen King. Let us stand and sing to God's praise.
filled with purpose by our one Lord Christ the King. So go in the grace, the love, the fellowship of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now and forevermore. Amen.